Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is differentiated from the filling of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit, as we stated, filling with the Spirit is a repeated occurrence and is commanded. There are times you, the Holy Spirit has, has residence in you from the moment you get saved. But there are sometimes you're filled with him and sometimes you're not so filled with him. So filling of the Spirit is a repeated occurrence and is commanded. The filling of the Holy Spirit uh, serves some great purposes. It empowers us for witnessing. The filling of the Holy Spirit enables you for service. And the filling of the Holy Spirit gives you boldness. And, of course, I left out the, the references. If you have your notes from before, the references are there. So let's change gears tonight as we consider a, a very sobering topic. Uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there have been many Christians through the year, yes, Christians, who have been scared to death that maybe they committed what is commonly known as the unpardonable sin, thinking that if you've committed the unpardonable sin, then all your sins are not forgiven, and when you die, you're going to go to hell. That, that would be a scary thought. So let's look specifically at the Bible what the Bible has to say, and then I'm going to share with you to kind of confirm my opinion. And and opinions can vary on this. Now, I don't know of anybody that believes that a Christian can commit the unpardonable sin. I mean, that that person would be way out in left field. I can tell you this, all the preachers that you know that that have any credibility would would agree that a Christian can't commit the, the unpardonable sin, won't commit the unpardonable sin. And so that's, that's a worry that you, you don't have. But there, there are some nuanced ide- interpretations of what it means, okay? And not great variations from preacher to preacher. Because what I say tonight, you may go online and look it up, and another preacher may have a, a different, but not a wholly different view, just a, a nuanced view. I think all mainline preachers, all credible preachers, are going to tell you that, no, a Christian is not going to commit the unpardonable sin. Let's examine this. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is actually what it's called. In Scripture, it's not referred to as the unpardonable sin. But let's look at it. We start in Matthew chapter 12. It starts with a story, and it leads into Jesus talking about the unpardonable sin. What happened that caused this conversation of Jesus with these Pharisees that motivated Jesus to say what he said? Well, in Matthew chapter 12, in verse number 22, it begins, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil. Okay? They bring a devil-possessed man to Jesus. He was also blind and dumb, meaning deaf. And he healed him. And so much that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? This must be the Messiah, they're thinking. So now, though, not everybody appreciates Jesus. Not everybody accepts him. In fact, most people are going to reject him, especially the Pharisees. The religious elite, 
the religious hypocrites of their day. He was challenged by the Pharisees when they saw this, and people started thinking that maybe this is the Son of God. He, 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 he's challenged by them, so he's going to answer them with three arguments, okay? He, he's like, like an attorney that's laying out his case. So he responds to them. Verse number 24, but when the Pharisees heard it, and talking about these people saying, wow, that's really something. Maybe he's the son of God. When the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, here's his argument. He hears them saying, wait, you're, you're saying that I'm the devil? That's what they were saying. No, no, this man's a devil. And he says to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan, they were accusing him of being Satan, he just cast out devils, so he says, and if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And how shall then his kingdom stand? His argument, his first argument with them is it's absurd of accusing me of being the devil of casting out devils. The devil wouldn't cast out devils. So he's saying, logically, your argument doesn't make sense. That's his argument number one. Then we come to argument number two, which we find in verse number 27, where he says, and if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, if, if I'm really casting out devils, as you say, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. What Jesus is acknowledging the fact that there were Jews, relations there, that were exorcists of some sort or another. It doesn't explain, but it's, it's implied here. And he said, look, if you're accusing me of being a devil, then how are you going to handle your children, your relatives, your, 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 your people, your, your community? I mean, you're going to have to answer to them. They're going to be your judges. So that's argument number two that he makes with these people, which then leads us to argument number three as to why they are making foolish accusations, these Pharisees are. He says in verse number 28, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? He says, you're accusing me of being a devil? He said, and he gives them arguments why that, that's irrational, that's illogical. And then he says, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, and the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house or conquer his house? And what he's saying there, argument number three, is casting out this demon proves, or casting out this devil proves that he's the son of God. He's acknowledging that devils have power. He said, but I have bound the strong man. I've I've controlled him. This is proof of my deity. Don't accuse me of being a devil, he's saying. That doesn't make sense. And he gives two arguments. He says, what you should be seeing 
And what you should be acknowledging is that you're looking at the Son of God. I did cast the devil out of that man. I did heal his hearing. I did heal his sight. That really happened, folks. Forget what the atheists say. That, really, that conversation happened about 2,000 years ago over in Israel. And then he goes on to say this. He's warning them. I mean, he came to save these people. And they, are, and, and they have a free will. That's one of the great gifts God has given us, a free will. And we can use it to his honor and glory and to our benefit, or we can use it to our self-condemnation. And that is the case here. He doesn't force these Pharisees to believe. He's giving them every opportunity. I just healed this man. I, 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 I just cast demons out of this man. Here is your chance. What more can I do to, to prove to you that I am the Son of God? And these hypocritical Pharisees, this, this guy's a devil. This, this is a devil man. So then... Jesus gets real serious with them. And this is a verse we need to fully understand. We're not going to focus on this verse, but this is an important verse. Verse number 30 where he says, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. There's no middle road with Jesus. I mean, you're all in or you're out. You know, it's like being in the army. You're, you're, you're all, you can't sort of be in the army. You're all in or you're, you're out. And that's what he's telling them here. And that's what I try to encourage folks to understand every Sunday and every Wednesday. You know, we live in a culture that will allow you to be half in or half out. And, and that's real popular today. People want to have their cake and eat it too. I, I, I want to do what I want to do, and, and yet I want to, you know, have that spiritual side. That's not the way it works. And a true preacher can't compromise that. He's got to tell the truth, and that's what Jesus is telling them. Look, you know, you're either for me or you are against me. One writer said, he gives them, I don't know if you can read it, but I'll read it to you. He gives them a dire warning about attributing his miracle to Satan. That's what they said. You're the devil. You're, so they're attributing the devil. It may be addressed to the Pharisees with the object of showing them that their, uh, what their words really implied. They were not due, as some might think, to mere indifferentism, uh, or however you pronounce that, or to judicial neutrality. Such a relation to him was impossible. They were due to opposition of inner life and outward energy. Thus their words denoted complete separation from him. This he brings out more clearly in the two following verses. Their words are condemning them. Jesus has just done a miracle. They should have bowed down to the ground before him and counted it a marvelous privilege to witness what they witnessed and to be there with him and to open their hearts, but their pride would not allow. I mean, he just gave them indisputable evidence. Indisputable. And I think the only way they could possibly explain it was to attribute it to the devil, which is what they did. I mean, how else would you explain that? These guys are at a loss. Uh, oh, you know, he... 
It was a trick. It was, it was magic or something. No, they, they didn't even do that. They just went straight to the fact. I think the only explanation available to them in their mind was, well, he's got to be the devil. It just speaks to the hard-heartedness of men. And then at the conclusion of this episode, this scene, Jesus says this. This shows the seriousness of what they did. This shows the seriousness of all people who reject Christ. I mean, there are people today still doing, I mean, lots of people today doing exactly what the Pharisees did. Explaining everything away. Well, how do you explain life? You know, well, it it evolved. How do you explain the fact that we're here? Well, uh, the Big Bang Theory, and, you know, they'll do everything except to accept the obvious. That's serious. That's, that's a final rejection of Christ. That, that's, that's explaining everything away. So in verse number 31, we have what is often referred to as the unpardonable sin. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Okay? You ask for forgiveness, you're going to get forgiveness. He's saying there's, there's almost nothing, well, there's one thing he is saying that I won't forgive. He says, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And he goes on to say, and whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, now listen to this, it shall be forgiven him. You can say bad things about Jesus and, and then repent of that and he'll forgive you. That's exa- is that not exactly what he says there? He said, you, you can say, and that happened. I mean, there's lots of people that attributed terrible things to Jesus, and then, then they got saved. The Apostle Paul, right? And he attacked Jesus. He, he thought Jesus was a farce, a phony. But he got, you know, anybody want to say that Paul's not in heaven today? So, and that's what he's saying right there. But it's different and it's kind of nuanced here, and we'll have to be patient with each other. It's different, though, when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse number 32, again, and whosoever shall speaketh a word against the Son of Man, well, that, that can be forgiven. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So what does he say here in those verses? He, he explains further. He is explaining to these people what he's talking about here. They've just attributed what he did to, to Satan. So what he's teaching here is, and this is encouraging, number one, that all sins and blasphemy can be forgiven, all, all but one. It'll be forgiven. So who in this room hasn't done something that you've just really wish it never happened. And can God forgive me of that? Yes. Yes. By asking for forgiveness, he, he will forgive you. But there's one sin. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. He says that very clearly. You say, well, what is it? What is, well, just a second. He also says in those two verses that you can speak against Jesus and be forgiven. You know, that, and that, that's that's pretty broad. I mean, if he'll forgive you of that, then he'll forgive you of what you thought yesterday or what you did the day before or what you did when you were young and foolish and 
what have you. And so you can speak against Jesus and be forgiven, but if you speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. That's very clear there. So what does it mean? How can you be forgiven for speaking against Jesus, but not be forgiven for blaspheming the Holy Ghost? Well, you can speak against Jesus, and then, like I said, later realize that you were wrong. The Apostle Paul, as well as many others. Uh, someone said this, here's a quote, someone never exposed to Christ's divine power and presence might reject him in ignorance and be forgiven. If the unbelief gives way to genuine repentance, and that's key, even Saul of Tarsus, this writer says, could be forgiven for speaking against the Son of Man or persecuting his followers because his unbelief stemmed from ignorance. And he repented and, of course, was saved. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I really think it's not complicated. I really think it's pretty simple. And I think it's reassuring to all of us believers. The definition that I have is to blaspheme the Holy Ghost and to speak against the Holy Ghost is to reject the influence of the Holy Ghost and his attempt to convict you of sin and draw you to Jesus. In other words, the rejection of Jesus is unpardonable. If you reject Christ, if you come to the point in your life where you have rejected him as he was warning these Pharisees, I don't know if he's saying, you have rejected me and I know your hearts and you're never going to accept me. You are blaspheming the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has come to convict us of sin. Convict us of sin, to draw us to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you deny the Holy Spirit, you reject the work of the Holy Spirit. You, you, you reject, you know, somebody sitting in church and a preacher's preaching and, you know, they have every reason to believe, but they reject it. If you die in your sins and you have never accepted Christ, the unpardonable sin is to forever reject Jesus Christ. To die in your sins without Christ is unpardonable. You'll never be forgiven. You, 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 I don't know if it works this way. I don't know if you can wake up in hell and say, no, Lord, I was wrong. No. No, oh, you, you, you crossed the deadline. The Lord gave you opportunity. He gave them opportunities right there. I mean, to see Jesus himself, to see him a blind guy that they all knew was blind and now he's seeing. I mean, there's no smoke and mirrors with that. There's no smoke and mirrors with a guy that I, they probably have known had been deaf and now he's hearing. No. Oh. Had, had evidenced the indwelling of, 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 of the devil or demons, and now he's in his right mind. How are you going to explain that? It's pretty nervy to say the devil did it. And it's pretty nervy to say that, you know, Jesus is the devil. I really believe... And again, there are nuances to this. Uh, there, there are some preachers that believe the unpardonable sin could have only been committed when Jesus was on earth. That, that, that was the time. I mean, Jesus did a miracle and attribute that miracle to devils. That's the unpardonable sin. And, but, but I think it's more than that. I think the unpardonable sin. And, and what is the one? I mean, it's just, again, Jesus pointed out there illogic. I think it is logical to, to say that somebody that forever rejects Jesus, rejects the, the pull, the influence of the Holy Spirit, and dies in their sins. That's the unpardonable sin. 
And I, I'm in, I think, some pretty good company with that. Uh, sometimes I put names with the quotes. Sometimes I don't. Tonight, I am. And some of these guys you might appreciate, some you might not. I'm just showing you that I, I think I'm on good ground here. We'll look at these quotes here. First, John MacArthur. And again, I don't, I don't agree with any of these men on everything. But, they're, you know, let's just look at what they say. But those who know his claims are true and reject him uh, anyway sin against the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit who testifies of Christ and makes his truth known to us. No forgiveness is possible for these Pharisees who witness his miracles firsthand, know the truth of his claims, and still blaspheme the Holy Spirit because they have already rejected the fullest possible revelation. I mean, they have forever rejected Christ. They're not going to change they will not be forgiven. John MacArthur, Warren Wearsby. Is there an unpardonable sin today? Wearsby. Yes, as I say, the final rejection of Jesus Christ. Jesus made it clear that all sins can be forgiven. Adultery, murder, blasphemy, and other sins can all be forgiven. They are not unpardonable. But God cannot forgive the rejection of his son. Amen? He's not going to forgive. You cannot reject Jesus and go to heaven. It is the Spirit who bears witness to Christ and who who convicts the lost sinner. And to reject Jesus Christ and the influence of the lost sinner condemns a person to hell forever. Then David Jeremiah. Uh, If you'll remember the uh, cruise that uh, the church was so gracious to send us on for 25th anniversary, Sharon? And it was a David Jeremiah cruise. And uh, we got to hear him preach. And I think he's a pretty solid Bible teacher. Wouldn't agree with him on everything. But what's his view? Uh, By ascribing the miracles of Jesus to Satan, the religious leaders were denying the deity of Jesus Christ. They were saying he could not be God. Yet by his miracles, he was showing himself to be nothing and no less than God. Only God himself could do what he had done. His followers believed his deity. And it's implied there that uh, those who rejected him did not believe his deity. They did not reject Jesus' work, the work of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the Holy Spirit on their hearts. They have rejected it and rejected it once and for all. And one last quote. And this kind of gives us a perspective here. And I don't agree with everything Billy Graham did, but he did some, he preached to more people than I ever will. More people were saved under his ministry. There were some issues with him towards the end, but that's not the point. The the point is this, his view on this. Once again, the unpardonable sin is not some particularly grievous sin committed by a Christian before or after accepting Christ. Nor is it thinking or saying something terrible about the Holy Spirit. Rather, it is deliberately resisting the Holy Spirit's witness and invitation to turn to Jesus until death ends all opportunity. So, if 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 you unless you have totally rejected Christ in your heart, and I wouldn't imagine anybody in this room would do that, you wouldn't be here tonight. Unless you have rejected Christ in your heart, which is rejecting the influence of the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ, unless you have done that, 
don't lose any sleep thinking you've committed the unpardonable sin, okay? Don't lose any sleep over it. Like this Billy Graham quote says, um, to think that you've done something in the past that maybe was unpardonable, you know, said something, thought something, that's not what this is talking about. I really believe it, the unpardonable sin, is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's attributing evil to the Holy Spirit. It is, it is rejecting the Holy Spirit. It is a denial of Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, based on God's word, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. But family, friends, and neighbors that die without ever having humbled themselves and felt blessed to receive Jesus as their Savior. That's the equivalent, I believe, of what the Bible teaches to mean, blaspheme the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. It's around us. It's, 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 it's reaching people. It's, trying to, it's wanting people to get saved. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. That should motivate us to get those lost neighbors, lost family, Lost friends here to church on Sunday. And, and hopefully, uh, under the influence of the preaching of God's word, the music, and the influence of the Holy Spirit, they will be marvelously saved. Let's look one last time. What do those two last verses say? Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I mean, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. You know, and that sin, you know, unless repented from and turning to Jesus will send us to hell. But asking Lord for forgiveness and repenting of our sins and turning to him, the Bible says that God will forgive us. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And he elaborates further. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man... It shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. So the Lord says, you're either for me or against me. We need to make sure that we are enthusiastically for him. And again, unless you have rejected the Holy Spirit drawing you to Jesus, therefore rejecting Christ. You may have some things to worry about, but that's not one of them. Amen? That's not one of them. Go home, sleep well tonight in that accord. And sinning some sin. You can't, you can't have committed the unpardonable sin by just sin. It, it is something very specific. And Jesus taught that. And... We should sleep well tonight. Let's stand.